Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text for this day is Genesis 1 and 2. Here again the part that reads, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, You may be seated. Waldo is a world traveler, dressed in red and white shirt and hat. They, his travels are recorded in world-renowned books published since 1987. They are enjoyed by thousands of children everywhere, even today, and even by some adults. They look at places where he has been, and the joy of discovering him on every page. He seems to be lost in a sea of people, Sometimes 800 engulf him on a double page. His size sometimes is reduced down to five, five hundredths of a square inch. He's the 1986 creation of Martin Hanford in the books, Where's Waldo? On this Trinity Sunday, we have just heard from Genesis chapter 1. From its pages, God appears, and there's no evidence from where he's come. He's simply there. He's always existed. He is the I Am. He's the creator of the universe and everything in it. He's the creator of the first and every human being. He is your creator and mine. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. However, before we get to the end of verse 2, the Spirit of God is revealed. In verse 3, God speaks. Now, we often talk about human beings having a spirit, and I would say from what I see here today, every one of us can talk, and from our limited human experience, God has qualities like us. Oops, that's backwards. We didn't exist from the beginning. God existed first. And so we have qualities like him. You see, it's easy to get things backwards. That is to see God in terms of ourselves. So many have fashioned for themselves over the ages in terms of what they think of God. God's in their image. And when their ideas couldn't fit their qualities, they expanded to other created things as their gods. Just look at the false gods in the mythologies of, Greek, of the Greeks. But already in Genesis chapter 2, in the second verse, or second chapter 1, the second verse, God has stopped thinking of us in terms, or thinking of him in terms of our image. His spirit is not like ours, but acts as his own person, hovering over the face of the waters like a hen broods over her young. The spirit of God is right there, identified and has qualities beyond any human or creature ability. Like last Sunday, we celebrated the giving of the manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have a God who creates and we have his active spirit. And yet we call this God triune. Three persons in one being. One person, the Spirit, is pointed out and is obvious in our text. 
If there's one, then there's two. And the Father is assumed, as we confess to the apostles in the Nicene Creed, Sunday after Sunday, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, right? And yet here he's not so obvious, but he's there. And as we go through the pages of the Old Testament, we hit Deuteronomy chapter 32, and there God is called Father. Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is not he your Father who created you, who made you and established you? And so we confess the triune God. In Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit is there, the Father is assumed by his work. But what about the Son? This has perplexed and, excuse me, puzzled humanity even into doubts and denial of the Son. Some believe that he's a New Testament creation, thinking that Jesus was only a prophet, and so it was the conclusion of Muhammad around 600 A.D. That's right. 600 years after Christ, Muhammad concluded that God is one and so that there cannot be a trinity. A Christian believed in three gods, not one. But in such a claim, Muhammad not only denied the Son, but denied the blatant evidence of the Spirit in Genesis chapter 1. So as many look for Waldo, we need to ask ourselves, where is the whole trinity? Where is the Son. Now we could go deep and lose ourselves in an Old Testament discussion, but Jesus makes it clear for us, as we read in John chapter 14, if you would have known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. And so in the Gospel of John, we go back to the beginning of that Gospel, where John makes it simple and clear. He starts with the very words of Genesis that we find in the Greek translation in the beginning. And then he goes ahead and shows how he stretches it out and has it revealed that the Son has been there all the time. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were created through him, and without him was nothing made that has been made. John 1 has creation. The creation comes into being by the Word, and so we go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, to see and to hear the Word. And God said, and it was so. So as you go through and you travel through the Old Testament, with the children of Israel, we also find that God reveals himself in a skin tent, the tabernacle. So in John 1.14, we read, And the word became flesh and dwelt, that is, tabernacled among us. We have seen his glory, glory as the one and only from the Father, full of grace and truth. That very spoken word of God from the Father takes on human flesh, so that Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, 
visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Where is the Trinity? There is the first two and a half verses of Genesis chapter 1. Now you might ask yourself, why is that important to me or to you, for us, for anybody? And as I pointed out, there are those who have wrestled with the Trinity and have concluded he's not there. Throughout history, many have left believers alone and let them believe what they wanted to believe. But others have viciously attacked, starting full-blown wars. The creeds came into being settling things to say to the generations after, we've already done, we've already fought the battles, we've already done the research. Here's our blood-bought gift you. Believe it, confess it, proclaim it. The scriptures are the very true witness to us. Search the scriptures, do the hard work, believe what the scriptures say. That's our confidence, God said, and it is so. This God, who is triune, that is three in one, is the one who loves. That John in his first book writes, God is love. For love is to be in relationship. The Father loves the Son. And already before creation, God is love. There is perfect relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When God created, he created in love. When he created, he created him in love. And when he created Eve, he created them in love. He created each in love together to love each other. And God loved them and continued to love them even after they sinned. And so we learn that this triune God continues to love as we heard time and time again from John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But that continues. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God so loved the world, and so God loves me, and so God loves you, and loves all humanity. And so we ought to love one another. He loves us and everyone who has lived and ever will live so he sent his son to save each and every one. And the ones who believe in him, those are saved. He comes to us to save us from our doubts. He comes to us to save us from our disbelief. He comes to us to save us from our denial. He comes to save us from our destruction from within and without. 
He comes to save us from hell of the future. He comes to save us from the hells that we create. He saves us from our sin, that sin that separates us from God and from each other and from God's created order. Male and female, he created them. He blessed them and gave dominion over all the earth, not for destruction, but for blessing. For loving others, loving his creation, and in doing so, loving him. And so that Luther would write that a Christian is the slave of no one, but the servant of all. So Paul would write in Philippians chapter 2 with these encouraging assumptions. So if there is any encouragement, and there is, any comfort from his love, and there is, any participation in the Spirit, and there is, any affection and sympathy, there is, complete, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in a full accord and of one mind. So where is the Trinity? Try in God is right here for each and every one of you, loving you. The Father created you through his word by his own Son. The Spirit broods over you. The word made flesh continues to speak to you so that you are continually filled by, with that life-giving Spirit. And all this is so that you know and you believe that God, the Father, created you and still loves you and still provides for you and redeemed you by the blood of his Son and still forgives you. And by his word sends his Spirit upon you. One in three and three in one. Amen. Now the peace of God that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus.